Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of March 15th, 2022, and this is officially episode number 508, and this is your host, as always, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at ParanormalKing.com, and yes, it, uh, it it is me. There's not a guest host this week. Uh, I do sound a little different. Uh, I can... Kind of tell. Uh, I sound a little different. Uh, battling the cold. I had the kind of the flu a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know. Out of the blue, yesterday, uh, struggling all day, talking uh, much to the enjoyment of many people that I work with. So uh, we'll see. Uh, it feels okay, but uh, just sound weird for some reason. But uh, yeah, it is what it is. I guess it's the the, the spring coming, and today. Speaking of spring, uh, is the Ides of March. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about spring here in a story coming up in uh, Cryptid News, which is kind of weird. So spring is around the corner, uh, literally, and uh, can't wait. It's warm today, uh, but I'm always very cautious about warm weather in uh, you know any month other than may through september here in northeast ohio because it's it's always uh, it kind of fools you a little bit you think it's warm uh, but it really uh the next day it's probably gonna snow so i uh, gotta take it easy take it careful and this is why people get sick uh, not because of the cold uh, but because of uh Changes in weather messes with your body. Anyway, <clears throat> yes, the Ides of March. As long as your name's not Caesar, you're probably okay tonight. Um, I probably say this each and every week, uh, but I do need to update my events listing, which you can find the list of paranormal conferences and conventions on paranewsinsider.com. Click on the events tab. At the top, and you'll see uh, a list here. Yes, I definitely do need to update. It's about a week old. Uh, several took place uh, last weekend, so yeah, it's time to update this. I got the uh, you know, three, yeah, at least three that I got to cross off the list. And if uh, you know of an event, maybe you're putting one on or you're going to one and you don't see it on my lists, just send me. Uh, either an email at insider at paranewsinsider.com or you can message me through Twitter or Facebook. And uh, I'll get that updated and get it on the list. Uh, it's kind of hard sometimes to to carve out time to look all this stuff up on top of researching all these stories, uh, which is my main focus. Uh, the events, uh, I know this time of the year, March is uh, when a lot of the summertime ones start to pop up. So I'm going to try to make some time to uh, start digging into some of these events to see if there's more. I do have a huge list that you don't see on the website, um, some of which took place last year. 
and of course, the last couple of years has been, uh, uh, I don't know how else to say it, upside down because of COVID restrictions and uh, government, you know, local government, state, city uh, mandates and uh, lots of cancellations and different things. But I do have lists of some of uh, prior events that I'll check those sites out to see if there is something going on. But I could always use your help. It makes it a lot easier when somebody just shoots me an email and says, hey, here's one you're missing. And I'll get it uh, taken care of as soon as I can. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> that is it for the anomalous notes. And we're going to move right. Let's go. Let's just get into this stuff. Talk some cryptid news this week. And I saw this story a couple of days ago. And I, I guess I shouldn't say I was duped. But I expected uh, something a little different than what I saw based on the headline and the byline that went with the story. Uh, so I was going to talk about a purported Bigfoot find. But instead, uh, I kind of felt compelled to talk about the story of the story instead, if that makes any sense. Uh, so numerous outlets are running with a headline that essentially says that a hiker in California claims to have found proof of the existence of Bigfoot. Proof. Now, when I think uh, of the word proof, uh, I think a, a body. I think of, you know, maybe somebody was attacked and they finally got a handful of hair and DNA under their fingernails. That's, that's proof to me. Uh, but I knew in the back of my mind, and I, I probably rolled my eyes when I saw the headline, that it's probably not going to be anything close to that. It's probably going to be misleading because that's what the media does. They just want to hook you. They want you to click on a news story and read it because then they make change. Not good change, but uh, loose change in their pocket. And so... I kind of played it off. I, I didn't click on it right away. I kind of kept it in my little list of stories, potential stories to talk about each and every Tuesday here on the show. And uh, a couple of days ago, I finally went back and said, well, you know, I got to read this thing. I want to see what this is all about. This proof, because I keep seeing it pop up. And uh, maybe this is a, a pretty big story. It's a pretty big one. I don't want to miss out. It'd be my luck that I ignore the story of all time you know somebody actually found a bigfoot even though i knew it probably wasn't going to be that yes proof of the existence of bigfoot and it, really the one link i clicked on literally says hiker claims he has proof of bigfoot exist bigfoot's existence so really excited click on that and i see bigfoot or a bigfoot i should say um so it shows a big foot as well as a track that is purportedly from a big foot. So the big foot, there's a gap there between big and foot, which uh, means that it's a person's foot in the photograph. It's in a blue sock and it's resting next to a track of a purported big foot, one word, capital B. 
Um, the track itself is uh, very far from detailed at all. It's just kind of a depression. You could tell that there is uh, a heel mark and it kind of goes out to a foot. That's pretty much all you can really see. And uh, here in a second, I'll throw. What do I got that way down there? Uh, I'll throw a, uh, a picture of that in the chat room. So if you're not in the chat room, where are you at? Where are you at? We're missing you and you're missing us. Uh, so you can head over to ParanormalKing.com, jump in the chat room. Lots of links for that if you follow uh, the Paranormal King Radio Network on Facebook or even this show, Paranews Insider, uh, Paranormal News Insider on Paranews Insider on Facebook or Twitter. You'll get all those links. Join us in the chat room live. And I get it. You can't always do that. you got stuff going on. You're probably eating dinner. Or maybe you're listening to this on a Friday night, which is just fine. I'm fine with that. It uh, doesn't matter. Uh, but you're missing out. Uh, I will link these stories uh, to the aforementioned Facebook and Twitter pages during the week. So don't worry. You will see this picture. And I know. You're smart. You're, I know you're smart because you're listening to the show. So you can just Google it yourself. I get it. I understand. Just trying to make it easy for you. Uh, anyway. The story itself uh, just reading that headline, reading that byline, kind of being, I don't want to say, again, fooled, but hearing you know, or reading that and thinking in the back of my mind, what would constitute as proof? That's a big word, proof. To prove Bigfoot is a, uh, it's a big, bold statement, and a track alone isn't going to do it. And th- again, the story itself, it serves as a microcosm of just what's wrong with what I call, and have been calling for years, uh, Bigfootology. And I always thought that I was the only one that used that, but I, I guess there's uh, a lot of other people that use Bigfootology. So Bigfootology and Bigfootologists, uh, it's become a real thing, I guess. Uh, it serves, in my opinion, kind of separates the people that follow Bigfoot. Uh, since it's a large group of people within the cryptozoology field, and there's a lot of people that only care about Bigfoot. They don't care about anything else. You know, some of these groups, uh, especially here in Ohio, that's all they investigate is Bigfoot. Uh, maybe Dogman every now and again, and maybe a uh, claim of a mountain lion every now and again. But that's about it. You know, they don't care about all the other purported cryptids. That are running around. Uh, so Bigfootology. Man, it's a lot of politics, a lot of finger pointing, a lot of ego, and uh, a lot of other problems. But I, I guess you'll you find that in all paranormal fields. So yeah, the same observations can be made for pretty much anything. Um, jumping to illo- illogical conclusions. Um, not a whole lot of evidence to back up claims, so on and so forth. It, it goes hand in hand, unfortunately, with the paranormal, which is deemed pseudoscientific anyway. But <clears throat> in the field of cryptozoology, unfortunately, you have to take the Bigfootology in hand because it's the most intensely 
scrutinized creature in the world. And it's the most investigated one as well. So number one, I mean, this guy's got commercials. He sells cars. Uh, he sells uh, uh, snacks, treats. He's big. I wish I was his, his agent. I always say that. If I was Sasquatch's or Bigfoot's agent, I'd be rich. Um, but yeah, it's the most intensely scrutinized creature in the world, even without a shred of scientific proof of their existence. There are more uh, groups that study Bigfoot than any other cryptid. There's probably more Bigfoot groups than UFO groups. Uh, there's probably more Bigfoot conferences and conventions than other cryptids and UFO events combined. You know, I early in my uh, cryptozoology, I don't know if you call it a career, but uh, interest in that field, I kind of sidestepped Bigfoot. I, I didn't really, wasn't my focus. It seemed like there was everybody else's doing it, and I wanted to focus on other stuff. You, you can't do that. Like, if you don't study Bigfoot, you're not really viewed as a cryptozoologist, unfortunately. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, but if you look at worldwide, I'm not going to name all of them, but if you consider the Yeti, the Yaren, the Yowie, and the uh, dozens of other names, uh, even here in the United States, we've talked about them uh, off and on uh, here in the U.S., you know, Skunk Ape and Momo the Monster, the Falk Monster, just dozens of names, even here in the United States, really all the same uh, large bipedal hair-covered creature found all over the world. And the belief in Bigfoot has become something, dare I say, similar to a religion or even a cult, depending upon your view. Uh, the only kind of separating factor is there are no agreed upon leaders of the field uh, beyond a handful of authors, television celebrities, vloggers. And, of course, a smaller percentage of people who claim to have special knowledge of the creature's existence uh, who also uh, don't have much to back it up other than close-up photographs of puppets and other things. You know who you are. Um, so the story that I was mentioning started out like many in the paranormal with a post on social media. Wow, big surprise. And... It's funny because actually uh, I didn't realize it was the same thing, but I'd actually stumbled across this on Reddit because I'm uh, I do belong to that page where it was posted. And I don't remember, you know, it, well, it was just the photograph and the guy's uh, thing. I just kind of looked and I just kept scrolling. I didn't open it. I didn't look at it. I wasn't too. um you could open that post and read all the comments because I already knew where it would go. And the post on Reddit had the title. It said, Footprint Found at the Top of a Hike in Big Sur, California. What do you guys think? Unquote. Uh, along again with a photograph of a foot in a light blue sock next to an indentation in the mud that looks like a very old print and 
I've seen a lot of these myself. I know uh, a number of years ago, I saw something very, very similar uh, during a group hike in Pennsylvania. I got really, really excited about this. Actually, had more detail than this one. I was very excited about it, but I already knew in the back of my mind that uh, not enough detail to really be considered anything important. Um, still took pictures, still got excited, even though I knew, and I never made the claim. So in the chat room, you'll see, I don't know what brand of sock that is, but uh, blue sock, dark blue stripe around <coughs> above the toes. And you could kind of, sort of, somewhat see uh, to the left of said sock. Uh, kind of a depression in the dirt. And that's very important that you can tell it's dirt. Because uh, you're not going to get a, an impression that far in dirt. So at one point, this was mud. And you could tell uh, that weather has played a part in this because, A, there's a big crack in the middle of it, and there's a crack near the heel. So those are some important things that you kind of have to look at and evaluate when you're looking at a purported print of anything. I don't care what it is. Um, anytime that you see any kind of uh, change in the uh, content of the medium of where this uh, print is, there's obviously uh, some alteration of what you're looking at. Uh, and of course, on the Reddit post on, uh, well, it's just Bigfoot. I think it's r forward slash Bigfoot. So Reddit's Bigfoot page, which again, I'm a follower of that. Um, but again, I didn't click on that story because I knew, I already knew how the debate would go. And of course there was a debate, uh, since the post was placed in the uh, Bigfoot page on Reddit, obviously people that follow that page are generally not always, but generally believers in that topic. So of course and it, this is usually accurate uh, You, when you have these stories on social media. It, again, on a whether it's UFOs or a ghost or uh, any sort of cryptid-based thread, of course, you're going to have the believers are going to click on that first. And they're going to read that and they're going to reply. So, of course... Uh, you have uh, the first handful of people uh, proclaim this as a genuine Bigfoot track. They're excited. They're, uh, it almost seems like they're running around, um, you know, jumping up and down, looking at their phone and uh, proclaiming this as uh, pr proof themselves. Uh, of course, you know it's coming. You don't have to scroll too far down uh, to see that counterattack coming. Those people stating that it's obvious that it's a boot print. It's not entirely obvious, uh, but if you know how to study tracks, you can. There's telltale signs. 
um, followed by a debate between believers and skeptics. That includes a lot of name calling and enough mud being slung to bury that track forever. Um, then, of course, you, you always have the peacemakers. There's very few. Uh, there's always one, at least in the middle of the, the mudslinging, uh, that come in that try to be a mediator for whatever reason and try to bring uh, peace and calmness to the two sides who are debating. But that's kind of what it's for. You know, when somebody presents data, there should be an argument, but uh, not just name calling, but and not just guesses, you know, looking and evaluating the, uh, the data and letting the data speak, not your emotions, not your beliefs. And unfortunately, we usually don't see that in these types of posts. So, um, yes, the peacemakers. So one person stated, hey, the person posting this never claimed that the track was from a Bigfoot. So why are you making that assumption? Well, no, uh, the person did not make the claim that it was a Bigfoot, but uh, you did post it on a Bigfoot forum on Reddit. Um, it wasn't posted on a hiking thread. And believe me, I'm on those as well. I never saw it anywhere else. So as far as the print, looking at that print, uh, it's it's the same with uh, most so-called evidence of Bigfoot. So it's basically an ambiguous piece of data that's easily debatable and either has a simple explanation such as an old hiking boot, uh, a print that's lost its shape due to weathering, which all the signs are there for that. Again, there's a big crack in the middle of it from where this used to be mud dried into dirt. Uh, weather... And aging or maybe even pressure from snow has uh, created this track to more than likely enlarge bigger than what it was. And it's, it's kind of weathered. So it, it's not, uh, you know, a firm footprint. So you really can't judge the size. The size is out the window. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about you know, it could even be a, an old animal print. You, there's no way to tell. Uh, or it could even be a natural depression in the ground due to water runoff. I've seen this before uh, where water creates puddles that look almost like a, a hill and uh, partial footprint without toes. But, um, of course, you know, there does exist that possibility. Maybe this is a genuine Bigfoot track. Uh, but again, it lacks any sort of detail or evidence to support that claim. And further on into the comments, um, of course, you always see this too. You'll have uh, many believers telling personal stories or stories of somebody's brother's cousin's great uncle who knows somebody who sh shot one once or saw one once. And it was, you know, of course, confiscated by the government and it's a big cover up. Or I saw this on TV on another post or on another post, which means the story has to be real. And there's always some personal claim, some logical fallacy that since it's um, believed by other people, it must be true. And since there's so many stories 
that it also must be true. And of course, that's followed by more arguments and insults, uh, followed closely by a demand for more information about the original post, which is, that's usually me. I'm usually the one that says, hey, nice picture, great sock. I'm not into the feet or anything, but nice sock. Appreciate that. Um, doesn't look like you've been hiking too long. It's not really sweaty looking. Nice shoe, good shoe, but um, where's the detail? Um, so the person who posted the photograph, if you read through the comments, uh, he stated that most of the print looked like a regular boot print and that the toes looked like toe impressions, which threw him off. And I could tell you as a person who studies prints, uh, I've done a lot of work on making my own impressions with boots, shoes, and keeping an eye on them throughout different weather just to see what would happen. And I've seen, uh, I tracked down other people's shoes. Uh, I could tell you this, this is actually natural and it sounds weird, but when you step in mud or moist dirt, even in thick boots, even in hiking boots, you'll make impressions with your toes. It may not be easily discernible. Very, very hard to see, but in soft like mud or dirt, even though your you know your bottom of your boot may be pretty solid, your toes still make very minute impressions, very slight. Uh, you wouldn't be able to really tell just by looking that the your toes are actually making small minor marks. Um, of course, over time, any slight depression in an area when moisture is added, such as rain or snow or even wind is going to make that more dramatic. We, it's easier to see uh, in snow than anything else. And people always get excited when they see footprints in snow. But snow is probably the worst one of all. Because um, if you ha have snow, you know, snow, any temperature change, uh, from cold to warm, or even a change in moisture content in the air will make that print grow. It'll look bigger uh, with the, even the wind. It could be the same temperature, same humidity, and that the wind can make that, that print look bigger. Um, but you also see this in anything dealing with water on the ground. In this case, mud. Mud dries these prints will look larger. And you can see, again, there's a crack in the middle of it. That's a telltale sign that this used to be mud and it's now broken open. Um, and with toe marks, toe prints, they do erode over time. But any impression in the ground, again, uh, water will seep into there and it'll make it look bigger than what it really was. So it takes a very minute impression. <clears throat> and it could even be something that fell in there. That maybe another animal stepped on uh, made it bigger, but uh, it's not likely this was caused by a person or a Bigfoot with bare feet. Uh, it just so happens it just kind of looks like that, but it really loses the detail. And I've said this before uh, if you do take, you do find an interesting print and you want to take a picture of it, uh, don't go. You know, like straight down to take a picture. Try to get it on an angle 
um, and use something recognizable as a scale. Uh, taking off your shoe and putting your foot there is nice, um, but we don't know exactly how big your foot is. You could show me your shoe and say, hey, I wear size 12. But that doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, we don't we don't know. We don't know how big your foot really is. It's really hard to tell. Um, but there's no scale. I mean, the preferred method would be an L-shaped uh, ruler, 90-degree ruler, uh, maybe, you know, a foot long, you know, 10 inches by 12 inches, something like that. That's the preferred method because so you can see how long and how wide it is. Uh, but if you don't have that, which most people don't carry that out in the woods, uh, I do, but I'm, I'm weird that way. I also collect, keep uh, bags to collect uh, poop and stuff. Anyway, but we won't talk about that. Um, if you don't have that, then uh, something you can later measure for scale, like a, a knife or even a barbecue lighter, something that you can have that can be verified to have a certain length. Uh, if you know you have a knife, you say, hey, here's this knife, here's the model number. You could look it up yourself and verify that length. Um, but your foot is pretty ambiguous. You don't know really how big that foot is. Uh, instead of taking a close-up photograph, take a series of pictures in all directions uh, toward the print as well as some looking toward it from a different angle. Um, not just from the, the angle of movement, but from the other side, different angles, um, especially with the light. As you could tell that this was, um, uh, let's see, let me look at this picture again. Yeah, so it's kind of, it's probably cloudy. It's not a whole lot of light. <clears throat> so the lack of light showing a lot of lack of detail, and you can't really tell how deep those sides are, but... Uh, it just looks like there's probably a puddle of water there that the person stepped in and created that deeper heel print right there. Uh, but uh, different angles in the surrounding landscape, and not just all close up. Take some far away that you, you can just see where the print is, but you can see the surrounding landscape. Uh, a, a trained eye can see a, a game trail, or uh, sometimes people will... You get a few people that go off of a trail. And the more people that do it, eventually that becomes a trail. Um, you know, I've seen that through hiking in many, many states and marked trails that where I see uh, people walking off trail or getting lost. It doesn't take much to create a trail. Um, as far as prints go, it's very hard to photograph. Uh, I'm sure this person saw a lot more detail than what we can see in this picture and trust me, I've seen it too. It's frustrating that you can't translate a footprint into a picture. It's pretty hard um, without knowing how to do it. Uh, so using a flashlight to fill it in uh, at an angle, usually a, a low angle sideways, uh, to give some of that depth of vision to help flush out some of those details. Uh, even on a sunny day, I'll use a flashlight to uh, photograph uh, your flash on your camera doesn't really help that's just going to hide 
the details. It's, it's not going to create the, the shadows where you need them. Uh, the best time is uh, during early morning or when the sun is setting to see these tracks and even a photograph because the, the sun is going to show uh, a really heavy shadow across and then it'll give you, it'll bring out that depth a lot better. Um, so question is chat, what caused the perfect circle at the toes in the picture? Um, well, I see one, they're kind of on the, the right side. It could be, I don't know what that could be. It could be a rock. Looks like an indentation. It might be something, uh, could be a wormhole, uh, could be not a wormhole, like, uh, you know, traveling through space, but like small worm something came out of the ground dug in the in the ground um kind of looks like a, a rock that got pushed in to me but would be hard to tell again different angles different photographs bring out details like that and um it's it's really hard to judge things on just one picture anyway moving on no segue we're just going to move on. Uh, it seems that the media is concerned. And it seems like it's the same time every year you read the same story. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster, where's it at? Gary Campbell, the keeper of the official Loch Ness Monster sightings register, states there are 1,136 official sightings on his website that go all the way back to 565 AD. That makes Gary pretty old. But I don't think he took those reports. Which is weird because he's only been doing this for 20 some odd years, but that would mean there's like 40 sightings a year. Well, I guess he goes back further than that. But anyway, uh, years passed as, uh, as well Stories of Nessie uh, seems like uh, it's kind of running dry lately. We don't hear much. Um, so you know they'll store they'll run stories like this. Um, this you haven't heard it yet this year, but it's coming. You wait. If there's no signing in the next couple of weeks, I guarantee you we're going to talk about a story about the Loch Ness monster being dead. So is there a case for that this year? Well, something Gary did interesting, which I actually liked last year, uh, he separated the number of purported sightings that took place from the webcam versus actual live sightings from around the lock. So back in 2019, there were 18 recognized sightings, setting a 21st century record. And the most number of sightings in a year since 1983. And that was 21 sightings. Uh, so recognized sightings mean that there are some that don't make the register since they have an easy explanation. So not everything that people claim to see makes the register. Now, 2020 had a total of 13 sightings. Granted, a lot of stuff around the lock was shut down with almost half of them being from the webcam. So, of course, a lot of things shut down. Webcam makes sense. 
Uh, it also included a pair of sonar finds. So uh, sonar is uh, pretty impressive. Granted, it you know they're fooled by schools of fish at depth. Uh, last year there was a, a very impressive total of 15 sightings. However, 10 of those were from the webcam. Five of the total were made by veteran Nessie researcher Ian O'Fanagan, who probably has the most sightings of anybody that's ever contributed to that list. Um, The five live sightings included one sonar image and two photographs in three separate accounts. Um, The photographs, they only show like dark spots in the water. There's no detail. Uh, So what about 2022? Is there something to be of concern? Well, no, says Gary Campbell. He says there's uh, much fewer people around the lock this time of the year. Shorter daylight hours, less time to see Nessie. Well, that's true. Days are getting longer. And this Sunday, I believe, yes, uh, yeah, Sunday, is the spring equinox. And the daylight will grow longer until the summer solstice on June 21st. And of course, uh, we all just lost an hour of sleep Sunday morning. I uh, didn't realize that until I was going to bed. Whoops. Um, so Gary says there has uh, there have been a few webcam reports sent in, but they had explanations. So they've uh, hence not made this year's register, which is good. I'm glad to hear that uh, he's uh, dismissing some of these claims. And even back in 1983, the biggest year on record, 21 sightings, there was only three through the middle of March. So most of these sightings happened between um, pretty much May through August. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that. Uh, one sad story. This is uh, was kind of a shock to me. I was uh, I didn't expect this. And we've talked about dangerous animals that have either escaped or have been set free on the show for for a number of years. I mean, we've had everything from servals, caracals to alligators, zebras, uh, even tigers. Gosh, more than one story of a tiger on the loose. Two in Houston alone last few years. Um, <clears throat> but so far, uh, we've had some injuries, but I've yet to report a death caused by an escape exotic animal. <clears throat> and it technically, that's still true, but um, sadly, a, an animal has caused the death of a person who um, these animals were in a, a, a farm type thing. You know, your roadside attraction type of thing. So the scene occurred at Shirley Farms in Obion County, which is about 100 miles northeast of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, this happened back on Thursday, March 10th. And the story comes from the Obion County Sheriff's Facebook page that states that deputies responded to a call about a loose camel that had been attacking people. 
uh, the O'Byron County Sheriff's Office, Lake County Sheriff's Office, uh, Ridgely Police Department, Tennessee Highway Patrol, and the Lake County Rescue Squad were all on scene attempting to render aid and move victims to a safe location. Uh, unfortunately, this is when the uh, the camel then attacked a sheriff's office uh, vehicle and then moved toward deputies uh, who were attempting to uh, render aid to a victim and move them. Um, <clears throat> it's at that time the officers had to put down the camel for the safety of everyone at the scene. Sadly, two male victims, 42 and 67 years old, were pronounced dead at the scene due to injuries sustained in the attack of a camel. I never saw that coming. Never saw that coming. Uh, So the camel, I can honestly say I don't know much about camels, so I did a little research. It's a, uh, it was described as a dromedary camel, which is also known as as an Arabian camel. And they're actually domesticated. The camel, the uh, Arabian camel has been extinct in the wild for about 2000 years. And it's been domesticated for around 4,000 years years just pretty cool or pretty weird to think about uh the camel lives in northern africa the arabian peninsula and there is a feral population in australia and this type of camel again the uh, dromedary or arabian camel is uh, easily identified by its one hump and makes up for about 94% of all camels in the world. And of three true camels, only one exists in the wild, which is the two-humped Bactrian camel that lives in northwest China and Mongolia, which is it's actually considered uh, a critically endangered. And uh, Shirley Farms has been cited in the past about not having barriers present between many of the animals, including the camels, zebras, and uh, some other animals, uh, between the animals and the public, as well as being no attendant present except for a cashier who had no line of sight on any of the animals at the time. Now, camels show usually very little aggression toward uh, anything or anybody, except during mating season, where males fight to access females, of course. Get that with humans all the time. Uh, They will bite their opponent's legs, as well as take their head in their jaws to bring them to the ground. Now, no word on exactly what happened or what prompted the attack. Certainly don't want to judge what happened, but it's a very sad thing. And, you know, speaking from uh, being here in Ohio, where uh, many years ago in Zanesville, Ohio, we had uh, a man, unfortunately, took his own life and he let loose uh, over 50 exotic animals, including lions, tigers, mountain lions, 
and uh, unfortunately, all those animals had to be dispatched as well. Uh, these kind of things, uh, it's scary to know what's in your backyard, your neighbor's backyard, or people down the street's backyard. You never know. And uh, I've seen plenty of camels. I've seen camels loose on properties and never would have thought, you know, you're always kind of, you know, cautious around any type of animal. You know, you don't know what a horse is going to do. You, you just got to kind of read them a little bit. But um, pretty sad, pretty scary that this would have happened. Um, but, yeah, you don't know what types of creatures are lurking in your neighbor's property. Uh, with that, we're going to go to UFO news where we're still going to talk about creatures lurking, which is weird. Why would we talk about strange creatures in the UFO news? Well, yeah, the story could also be put into the cryptid section, but uh, I think it belongs in the UFO Area since it actually started with a UFO, or I guess you could say UAP sighting, and it started way back in 2004 with the uh, now famous USS Nimitz sighting of an unidentified object seen in the sky that would go on to become the Tic Tac sighting due to the shape of the object. Uh, back then, a purported secretive Pentagon program. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, commissioned a sailor to carry out an investigation into the sightings. Uh, well, the unnamed sailor returned home to his wife and teenage children in Virginia. The family claimed to have seen a wolf-like creature that walked on its hind legs. And not only did they see it once, they saw it twice. And, you know, when I read that, I was like, whoa, that's pretty specific. Now, they don't make mention in the story, but of course, we know a similar creature to this description. Okay, so you're thinking dog man. Well, I was thinking werewolf. Uh, so we know the werewolf. Uh, we do know the dog man. Of course, the Michigan dog man. Uh, we've got one here in Ohio that's actually near Michigan. Um, I can't remember the name of the city, but it's in uh, northwest Ohio. Uh, even the Beast of Brave Road in Wisconsin, uh, kind of a werewolf-type creature, uh, stands upright, got a head of a dog. There's some fake videos out there of that uh, Beast of Brave Road. But uh, once the story... Uh, there's more than one of these. It's pretty much copied and pasted looking at this. Uh, they start talking about this creature. And they give that information. They change direction to the backstory of uh, taking the UAP claims more seriously. And then going and giving detail about the Tic Tac sighting itself. And they kind of circle back. And that's it. So I had to do more research because it, it just seems like you drop a bombshell like that. I'd like a little bit more information, please. Like, where did that come from? Where is that at? What, what, what happened? Is this guy okay? 
The kid's all right. What's going on? So the real story took shape in an article that appeared weeks ago on military.com. In the story, it's mentioned about the werewolf-like creature in Virginia that was seen twice, uh, as well as a gray figure with spindly legs in California. It's funny, I was in California. Uh, as well as a man in Oregon who had a blue orb pass through his body, which uh, then was followed by his deteriorating health. So beware of the blue orbs. Uh, these incidents are said to be tied to UAP investigations. Uh, James Lakatsky and Calm Kelleher were also two names tied to secret government UAP investigations mentioned in this story. Uh, Kelleher worked on UFO and other paranormal phenomena with the lead contractor to the Defense Intelligence Agency secret organization, who we know is none other than, at the time, Robert Bigelow. Uh, so back to the sailor for a second. Uh, this unnamed sailor had been sent on a four-and-a-half-month investigation of witnesses and evidence of the USS Nimitz UAP case. And after this investigation, the sailor and two Marines were sent to Bigelow's Skin, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, which is uh, probably the most famous thing right now. Everyone's, uh, everyone's always been Skinwalker Ranch crazy. Uh, probably more so now than ever, but it's always been a big hot topic. Uh, so, yeah, the sailor two Marines sent to Skywalker Ranch in Utah to investigate the property. Uh, Lukatsky and Heller, Hellerher, along with George Knapp, I'm sure you're familiar with George Knapp's work, uh, contributed to a book on the topic, which was titled Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. An insider's account of the secret government UFO program. And it was published by Wilson Gabriels. Uh, Military.com asked the Pentagon uh, whether it could confirm this purported research uh, was done, uh, any of this research was done at all, whether the Bigelow Ranch or uh, the sailors and all this stuff. And uh, Susan Gao. The department's spokesperson for UAPs uh, had this very complicated statement. And uh, she said, uh, quote, no, unquote. So they can't confirm it. Uh, she stated that the boilerplate disclaimer in the book says the department's clearance for publication does not imply factual accuracy. So that's kind of just saying uh, they kind of embellished. They made some, some stuff up. Uh, so the book itself was released on October 10th of 2021. And while it has a rating of 4.4 out of 5 stars on uh, the, uh, the Amazon page, uh, there are some critical reviews in there. And more than once, it's mentioned that the book is essentially a book where Robert Bigelow uh, basically secured $22 million from the government to have a bunch of people investigate his ranch for ghosts. 
Uh, there's a lot of other not so nice things said about it, but uh, there are some five star ratings. Some are um, anonymous. But uh, one that jumped out at me right away, which is uh, highlighted uh, at the top. Uh, so it's probably one of the first ones done was uh, from Jeremy Corbill, who, of course, appeared in the movie Hunt for the Skinwalker. Go figure. Um, so there's a little bit of uh, vested interest in that as well. But, yeah, everybody seems like they're head over heels in love with Skinwalker Ranch. And I, I guess because of the you know the mysterious background of that. Uh, so many people involved in it. You know, Robert Bigelow himself. Doesn't matter what this guy does. There's always a, a lot of air of mystery behind it. And they, uh, you know, of course, you're, you're talking ghosts. You're talking cryptids. You're talking UFO. You're talking the whole paranormal gamut here. And, you know, the, the true people who are, you know, a part of the paranormal you know, are looking at all three because there are some very interesting interrelated types of things that happen with all three of these different fields. Uh, but yes, yeah, Skinwalker Ranch been popular ever since I've been involved in the paranormal for well over 20 years. And you've always heard about this and lots of TV shows, movies and all this and that come out and talk about skinwalker ranch but um yeah this story i I didn't i've never heard about this these uh creatures in virginia apparently it's in the book i don't couldn't get more information or more about that without buying the book which is uh, i think it's like 17 bucks it's a pretty thick book it's like two almost 300 pages 270 something i forget but um some people say that a good chunk of that book is nothing more than name dropping and trying to persuade the reader that everything you're about to read is real because of the people involved with it well that doesn't really mean anything but uh, I, I don't know can't hold that hold out uh, any judgment because i haven't read it but um I will put it on my list. Well, it's going to be way down there. Um, maybe not at the bottom. But it's going to be pretty far down there. Sorry to say. Uh, last but not least, I want to mention, if you've not seen the uh, YouTube video of uh, Mick West's evaluation of the Gimbal UAP video, you got to watch it. Now, it's uh, over 20 minutes long. And it's uh, full of a lot of science. But if you're a fan of these, uh, the big three, uh, you know, we mentioned the TikTok video, TikTok, TikTok video that was uh, released a number of years ago without government approval somehow, some way, and nobody got in trouble, which I still think is kind of weird. Um, but also the gimbal video is, uh, you know, one of the top three. And in his very thorough, very thorough analysis of uh, what we're seeing, you know, I first thought this was kind of the one of my thoughts too, but I don't have any way to. I don't know that much about the technology of the uh, the gimbal device, the uh, 
infrared camera attached to the bottom of a jet that took the video, but uh, in the video basically demonstrates that there's a number, well, actually four, that's your number, of things that uh, pretty much validate that what you're looking at uh, doesn't really say that it's not a UFO, but basically says that what you're looking at is actually the glare of the camera. And uh, in that 20-plus minute video, he uh, really, again, a lot of science. I had to pause it a few times, take a lap around the room to kind of collect my mind because uh, so much details and information were being tossed around. But uh, worth it if you uh, get the time. If you got 20 extra minutes, check it out. So very informative. And uh, I believe he's also pretty much disseminated the other two videos as well so that's the best they got i don't know i'm sure it's not I'm sure there's other stuff that we have not yet seen and hopefully we'll get a taste of those in the months to come for now it's time for me to go time for me to rest my singing voice i will see you next week but for now keep your eyes in the skies your ears in the woods and the hair Standing on the back of your neck and always keep your mind slightly ajar. Above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting. <laughs>